In 2016, scientists on Earth detected a fast radio burst from a distant region of space with no observable stars. The signal contained a constant series of data packets and a decryption key. Once decrypted, the data contained a number of transmissions from two planets in a binary system. Included in the data was a translation matrix that researchers used to translate the entries, as best as possible, into English. The following transmissions were declassified by the scientific community and given to us to present. Vela Rotat, 2637, Cycle 1 of the First Annual. My dearest friend and sister Iria, I feel like every few years I'm sending you some sort of congratulations or condolences on a change in your position and career. This time appears to be no different. Being the chairman of the board at Verkstad has to be a great feeling in both accomplishment and in burden, but I can imagine no better manner as suited for the job as you. Let's face it, you survived an active volcano and prison time. Navigating the waters of corporate management should be a drop in the pool for you. I am sure that Lars is looking forward to hearing all about your staff meetings and employee reviews that you will have to attend to in your daily routine. Of course, that is if he can break away from his incredible new designs he's working up. From the way Helgi describes the new Segbat, it's truly something to behold. Speaking of Helgi, could you ever imagine when we were younger that you would have a son walking on a different planet? I know we would dream about visiting each other and our respective planets, but now young Helgi is living that dream in a small way. He and his fellow astronauts have taken first steps for all of our people. It doesn't feel like a dream so much anymore when you know that they are out there now working towards that as a new reality. With the VSA building their new station in orbit of Vela, in Haimavina exploring moon bases, I am constantly in awe of all that we have witnessed growing up in our time. The time I spent with Ori and CNR was exactly what I was hoping it would be. We toured the entire city, and I was able to show her all of the history that it holds, as well as visit some of the sites that helped me become who I am now. I am so proud of what she has accomplished there and happy that she has decided to stay there and swim after her dreams. We even toured the area where I managed to rent a room shortly after I arrived on my long trip from Laar so many Rotats ago. Thankfully, the area has improved a little since I lived there. It even looks like some of my suggestions of cleaning the transit streams were implemented. It's still not the cleanest we have seen, but it smells better than it has in a long time. After we got back to Ori's new apartment, she delighted in introducing me to Frida's music. I'm surprised you couldn't hear it all the way on Haimavina, with the levels at which she was playing it. It's, uh, very... interesting. 
I'm glad that she is doing something that she loves, but does she need to do it quite so... loudly? I fear it's only a matter of time before Ori will need to find a new apartment, as I'm sure her neighbors are not fans of Frida's music as much as Ori is. Instead of going directly back to Laar, I took a side swim to a few other locations. The first being the spot where we discovered the crashed satellite off the southern coast of Sonoth. Do you know that there is a large underwater laboratory there now? They expanded on the habitats that we used during our recovery, and are now using it to further exploration and experimentation in the deeper waters of the ocean. I opted not to venture beneath the waves to visit it directly, but I did explore the base camp on the coast that works directly with the underwater lab. It's breathtaking. I'm happy to see that more good is coming from those times. The amount of scientific discoveries into our origins as a species and the other wonders of the deep they have made there are staggering. Our habitats then were only small rooms with a side airlock, but now it would seem that they've built large domes and full buildings, even at such great depths. Our old habitats are still there, monuments to what was created, but they are shallow in comparison. My next stop was the old city of Lorivar. I don't blame you if you don't remember it very well. It was during my class volunteer project that I was last there. Back when we, as students, would aid in the construction of communication towers to expand the capabilities of our network infrastructure. I even managed to make it out to the beach to reflect on my past and the events that led me to where I am now, to who I am now. I came here to let go of something that has been a burden on me for so long now. This is where I would come with Isnid. I have been around for a long time, well, a long time for a Velen, and in that time I have come to many realizations of elements in my life that affected me and that I have affected in others. As much as it pains me at the memory of it, Isnid is a part of that. Her actions, both before and after the event, helped to shape who I am today. She may have been misguided at the time, or even too quick to judge others for their decisions. But that does not mean that she didn't impact the lives that she touched for good or bad. She was just misguided and didn't realize the scope of what was happening in our world. Those who are ignorant to all information should not be vilified. We should only endeavor to educate and hope that one day truth and understanding will bring us together. On that beach in Lorivar, I forgave Isnid. Before going home, I made one final stop at my father's old apartment. The building had been renovated since we lived there, but the new residents recognized me and allowed me to come in and visit with them. They had so many questions for me that it was almost a little embarrassing. I am certainly more used to that sort of thing now than I was when I lived there. They allowed me to sit in my old room for a while, and I could still hear the excitement in the air of reading 
your first transmissions. The first time I heard your actual voice when they released the recordings to me, thinking of how even back then I would try and mimic your accent and try and pronounce the words of your alien language. I'm sure it must have been odd for the couple living there to have some old Fiska crying in their guest room. When I got home, and after a long nap, I pulled out my old transmitter. Yes, I still have it. Believe it or not, it still works. It's hardly needed these days as everything is connected through all of the various arrays of networks now. But it was nice to dust it off and tinker with the old device. I had to clean off a lot of the diode connections and rewire the power conductors, but the sound it made when it came on was like listening to an old song. I'm actually sending this message to you using it. Which leads me to the real reason I needed to send this to you. I wish this were only just my usual reply, but sadly, it is not. I have been consulting with a number of doctors recently. You see, it's been harder and harder to breathe lately. The doctors have taken me through a number of treatments. Everything from submersion to high altitude. I'm not sure what made them think that last one would even work. The fact of the matter is that I'm just getting too old. Thankfully, I still have my wits, and I'm still very aware of what's going on around me. I just can't impact it as much anymore. Amai was the only one, aside from the doctors, that knew what was happening. We didn't want to tell Ori until we knew more about what my time frame was. We had to sit and watch my father deteriorate over such a long time that I swore that I wouldn't put anyone through that for me. I know her, and she would only come back home and try and take care of me, and that would put all of her plans on hold for her however long I would have left. It's too much to ask of her, and I won't rob her of her dreams. And if she didn't come, it would only worry her while she was gone. I only regret that I didn't tell you sooner. It's been coming on for the last six rotats. I suspect that you could tell from how I sounded. You are very kind to not say anything about it. I thank you for not making a fuss over it. There are times that I find myself somewhat jealous of your long lifespans there on Haimovina. I don't know if I could have that strength in me to last for so much time. Although the prospect of seeing all of the incredible discoveries that you must see in your long lives may be worth it. Maybe one cycle, Havelin might see the lifespan that you see. But this is not that time. I have been informed that my time is nearly up. I am mostly confined to my home now. Amai has done her best to take care of me. I tell her that I am not without my abilities and I could still manage things on my own. But she fusses over me, as I am sure Lars would fuss over you. A small team of caregivers are also buzzing around my home. My time with the council has afforded me a modest upgrade in lifestyle since my time with father. For my efforts, they have sought to make sure I am comfortable in my last few annuals. To be honest, I wish they would just go. I don't need them. 
They are constantly asking me if I want food, or trying to clean me as if I were just given forth. This is the story of my life, dear Irya. When I want to be left alone, the world turns its attention to me, and it won't let me be. Given the nature of our conversations, and the delay between them, I fear that I may not be around to hear back from you. This would also be one of the reasons I kept my condition from you for so long. I feared that it would dominate the precious few transmissions we had left, and I didn't want you to constantly worry if each transmission would be the last one you would get. I also know that you would understand that no one wants to hear, Are you feeling okay? Every time they start an interaction. So do not worry yourself any further about me. This is surely the last time I will be able to speak with you. Iria, you have been my friend and with me all of my life. We have been with each other from across the stars for the best times and the worst times of our lives. Our worlds have come together, grown apart, and come together more times than I can count, sometimes even of our own doing, and we have borne witness to it. I have cherished each and every memory that we share, and I know that when the time comes for you, I don't know what will come of my after, and I'm gone. I certainly don't have enough time left to discuss all of the theology that my people believe in for the afterlife. But whatever comes next, know that I will see you there, and we will finally be able to share that drink together. Venir till enda. Gisto. Iria's response. 2317. The Age of Enlightenment. Hey, hey, Gisto. The funniest thing happened today. Lars and I were in the park taking Vigo for a walk down by the toasty pools. The park has a play area with an interactive fountain for little kids, and there is almost a small hot springs that the kids have always called the toasty pools. The nickname stuck, and that's what everyone has called it for as long as I can remember. Anyway, there was a kid having a blast in the water, and Vigo must have thought that he was drowning, so he attempted to rescue him, with me in tow. I was so afraid that this kid was going to think that he was being attacked, but then he just started laughing and tried to ride Vigo, which he loved. Of course, I'm sopping wet, and pretty soon all the kids are in the pool with us. I think I would have been less upset if we hadn't got back from the groomer. <laughs> he may be well-mannered, but he has a Luna streak. It could be my fault. When Lars is out of town, I let him sleep with me. <laughs> He's a great snuggler. <laughs> It was the radio lab team that came into my office to tell me. I think I knew it was coming, even if I didn't want to admit it to myself. Your race has such short lives, but I forget sometimes because of everything you did with the time you had. The time you had. We mana live twice as long, and sometimes even longer than that. So long that we take it for granted. We can explore and find ourselves several times over. In some ways, this all seems unfair. 
If you were born here, you would have had so much more time. More time to see Ori grow up, more time to negotiate with the sex, and more time with the Mai. But we know that's not always true. Lars would say that. When his father died, he wasn't much older than we were when we started writing. I think that's why he always encourages the kids to jump at every opportunity, do everything, see everywhere. I think I can say that Frida took that mantra to heart. She's been a designer, a sailor, and now a musician. So far, this one has stuck. But I wouldn't be surprised if she came to tell us that she was going to follow Helgi to Ekal. <laughs> Helgi would hate that. He thinks he lives in her shadow. But what he doesn't know is that we all live in his. Helgi is one of the smartest mana on the planet. And I'm not just saying that because I'm his mom. He really is. You read his scientific theories. Even my grandmother was stumped. I have no idea where he gets it. I feel awful that his engine designs didn't succeed the way he had hoped. But in some ways, it did. Verkstadt has adapted some of the technologies he created to the engines for our new crafts, with the help of his old colleagues who work for us. But it's his work. Even stripped down, it's beyond most of our people's understanding. The time it takes to get from Haimavina to Randir is almost cut in half, and Ekal is using their new engines to start their new mission to Vicini. Helgi has been slated to go. My son will be one of the first mana to stand on another planet. A real alien planet. Wouldn't matter anyway, he told me, because it's not Vela, and you aren't there to greet him. I think it was wishful thinking that we thought our technology would move as fast as our lives. But in some ways, it did. Radio transmitters and translators to voice and video recordings. It still takes two years, but I'm sure the satellite team will tell me they've shortened that time soon. The ancients left us a blueprint and everyone's just trying to catch up. That almost seems like a different lifetime when you and I were still trying to solve the mystery of the lander and the signals and me telling you about the Citus Onda, <laughs> the failed experiment. You know, you've heard me go on about how stupid they, <sighs> but I guess since we're reflecting, I get so angry when I think about their arrogance. But if I lived back then, I would have believed in it too. How could you not? They could do anything. Why not fix the planet? Although if I'm honest with myself, I probably would have grabbed the kids and Lars and took the first ship out to wherever. The ancients just wanted to live, be able not to miss a thing. That's what we do, self-preservation. We want to survive. I think that's why you really didn't want to tell me you were dying. You wanted one more rotat, one more day. I feel pretty fortunate that I got to know you and call you my friend. In some ways, we raised each other against the backdrop of interplanetary cooperation. But we were lucky and actual friendship blossomed. I sometimes think about the kids who are writing back and forth right now, telling each other about the mountains and swimming and spaceflight and maybe making plans to meet in a distant future. Because I believe one day our races will meet. I'm sad that we didn't, even though I know we never would have. I will always think of you when I hear a ping on my terminal, hoping it's another message from you and learning about what life is like on Vela. 
I have no idea where I will send this or if it's just going out into the void of space. Maybe someone out there will hear this or maybe you can wherever you are. But I know that I'm glad that we are friends, Justo. I'm glad that your father brought you that signal system so we could meet. You were there for me through a lot and I will always honor that. You are my family, blood and soul. Justo, thank you for your friendship. Vinda to Inda, area. You have been listening to an episode of Binary Saga. The part of Iria is read by Vanessa Shannon Anderson. Gisto is read by Steve Petricelli. Music by Eric Matias and soundimage.org. Find us on Twitter and Facebook with at The Binary Saga. Want to ask us questions? You can join us on our Discord for general chat. Find all of these links and more information at BinarySaga.com. If you like what we're doing, please consider visiting our Patreon page, which can be found in the Where to Find Us menu on our website. Or please leave a review on your favorite podcast app.